Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. There is incredible joy in the church that follows God wholeheartedly. There's incredible peace. Think about it. He says, rejoice, rejoice. Why are we going to rejoice? Well, Jesus says, great is your reward in heaven. Ah, persecuted people. That's a sign that you're going to have an abundant entrance into heaven. Joy in the midst of persecution seems like the most unlikely of responses and the most difficult to actually put into practice. It's hard to react positively when we're in a tremendously difficult situation due to our faith. Pastor Ed today wants us to remember, however, that while we're guaranteed persecution as Christians, we're not alone. And beyond that, we have an incredible and perfect Father in Heaven who is ready and eager to tell us how proud He is of us. So rejoice, friend. God is on your side. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 10, for his continuing study entitled, Those Who Are Persecuted. Beloved, the praises of men is passing. The praises of God is eternal. And I'd rather please God any day than please men. I'd rather have God's favor than men's passing praise. I'd rather be on God's uh, list of men beloved of Him than on the world circuit of praise because one day they could be for you, the next day they're against you. You can fall from popularity, but God is the one who truly we have to please. Latimer said, Whatever you, wherever you see persecution, there is more than a probability that truth is on the persecuted side. Wherever you see it. It's because of what we represent. Our lives. Our walk. Our talk. Ought to all reflect that we're children of the King. That we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That we belong to the Messiah. Our talk ought to line up with the Scriptures. And our walk and our talk ought to be the same. Not only because of what we represent, but because of who we represent. And in Matthew 5.11 it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. The best man history ever saw was Jesus. And the religious world and the political world join hands to crucify him. If we are going to walk in his footsteps and be like Christ, is our story going to be any different? If Jesus Christ were to appear today, if he were to walk among us today, do you think the reception would be any different than he received 2,000 years ago? No, the world hasn't changed. They would take him, they would crucify him, they would reject him, they would despise him. And the more and more the church looks like Jesus Christ, the more and more the world will reject the church. That unsettles us. But listen to Jesus' words. 
If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Now, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. San Vanarola, one of the great preachers in church history, stood like a mighty prophet in the city of Florence, decrying the sins of the clergy, decrying the sins of the political arena. And he would preach Sunday after Sunday against the sins of his culture. They became angry with him. The church and the political arena conspired to kill him. The bishop took him by the hand and said, Thus I exclude thee from the church militant and the church triumphant. To Latimer's response, from the church militant thou mayest, but from the church triumphant thou canst not. That does not belong to you. The last they heard from him as they burned him at the stake was this. My Savior, though innocent, willingly died for my sins, and should not I willingly give up this poor body out of love to him? A Christ-like life attracts attention, and it also attracts resentment. If we're going to live the gospel out in our culture, and we stand up for what's right, and we're living like Jesus Christ, do not be surprised if you're persecuted. Do not be surprised. Suffering for Christ will make us like Christ. That's Paul's cry, that I might know him. In the fellowship of his sufferings, Let's secondly look at the character of persecution. There's, according to the scripture, verbal persecution. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Now, today we're living in the aftermath of the Great Awakening. Great revivalists like Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, men like Finney, have impacted the culture. And so because of their ministry, the culture was more accepting of Christian values. But as we enter into a post-Christian era, we will see a rise in persecution against true believers. We will see a rise in persecution against those who follow Jesus Christ. Count on it. It will happen. It's true of history, and it will be true of our country. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you can expect, as we move further and further from God, those who are like God are going to be pushed and persecuted. We don't want the Ten Commandments in the courtroom. Let's take the name of God out of the pledge. Let's remove prayer. From our schoolrooms, let's call that judge 
Was it Judge Moore? A fanatic. We need men like him. Who will not care what the world says, but will care what God says. We need those who will say, I know that I'm going to miss this promotion because I stand for Jesus Christ and I won't be dishonest at my job. I know I might not be the most popular young person on my campus or in my high school or in my community because I'm not running the way the crowd runs. I'm standing up for Jesus Christ and I'm speaking the truth and I'm living for Him. Hallelujah. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul the Apostle wrote, So that no one would be unsettled by these trials, you know quite well that we are destined for them. We're destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. I was listening to the testimony of a Romanian pastor. And Joseph shared his testimony. He said that he was persecuted physically where they abused him. They brought him and interrogated him. He said, I had to die to myself. And he said, when I died to myself and I accepted this as my lot and I saw my persecutors as Instruments in God's hand. Suddenly something happened in me. As I began the witness, he said, something unheard of happened. He said, 850 people in four years' time in Romania accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And he said, now when they accepted Christ as their personal Savior, I told them this. Are you ready to receive Christ? Are you ready to take up the cross? Are you ready to be persecuted? Are you ready to lose your job? Are you ready to lose your possessions? And if need be, are you ready to die? Imagine if we had an altar call like that in America. Imagine if we told people that suddenly they could lose their prosperity. They could lose their jobs. They could become the off-scouring of this world, the ridicule of people. I wonder if it wouldn't empty out our churches. God, help us to realize what true Christianity is about. We almost live in isolation. And we live in such compromise that the world doesn't even know we're Christians and doesn't even know what we stand for. There's not only verbal persecution, but there's physical persecution. It says, blessed are those who are persecuted. Persecuted. Because of righteousness, for their sake is the kingdom of heaven. They persecute you. More people have lost their lives in the 20th century for the cause of Jesus Christ than in all the centuries prior to that. Think about that. More than in the 1900 years In that last century, how has that affected us? How has it impacted us? Today, there are thousands upon thousands upon thousands in jail and prison because 
of their faith in Jesus Christ. Someday when you die and you stand before God and you walk into the golden streets, you'll meet someone and says, you know, I lived in the first century and they tarred me and they burnt me alive. And we say, oh, how awful. No, how glorious that was. I was privileged to follow in my master's footsteps. We might meet someone from one of the islands who said, a missionary came and he told us about you, Jesus and I accepted him and my tribe beat me and then they left me for dead and when they found I was alive they came back and they ate me alive oh how horrible no what do you mean what a privilege to give my life for Christ I wear a martyr's crown let me ask you did you give that that missionary could come and tell me What did you suffer? Beloved, as believers in Jesus Christ, we cannot take Christianity and water it down. I'm afraid as a church and as a community in America, we've done that. Hebrews 11, 36 to 37 says this, Some faced years and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. Now you might expect Jesus to say to us, grit your teeth, be patient, just plow through it. He says something completely different. He says, rejoice, rejoice, yes, be glad, be glad. Well, let's see why. The compensation for persecution. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. For those who follow this way, E. Stanley Jones said, do not merely bear pain, nor escape it, or submit to it. They use it. They rejoice and are exceeding glad in spite of it. There is incredible joy in the church that follows God wholeheartedly. There's incredible peace Think about it. He says, rejoice. Rejoice. Why are we going to rejoice? Well, Jesus says, great is your reward in heaven. Ah, persecuted people. That's a sign that you're going to have an abundant entrance into heaven. Listen, if people mock you and make fun of you, not, not for being an odd person, please understand that. Don't go out and court persecution. Don't knock on the door. It'll find you if you live a godly life. John Wesley was once discouraged. If you read the life of John Wesley, I I couldn't believe when I studied it how much hate mail he received, how much persecution he received. And one day he was discouraged. 
He was on a horseback. He was traveling to preach somewhere. And he says, God, it's been three days since I haven't been persecuted. Lord, is something wrong? So he got off the horse. He knelt down and he prayed. And he began to pray to God that search his heart, make sure his heart was right. And some guy heard him from over in the bushes. He took a stone and threw it at John Wesley. It missed him. John Wesley got up and said, oh, thank you, God. Everything's right between you and me. What do we do when we suffer for righteousness' sake? We're going to be brought in the fellowship of his sufferings. When you live for Christ and you're dying to yourself. I said at a funeral the other day, I said, every year I gather together with a number of people in our church and we do a dress rehearsal for their funeral service. Yeah. Every year we have a good number of people and we go through a dress rehearsal for their funeral service. We call it baptism. If we really identify with dying to ourselves, dying to this world, if we're really taking up our crosses and following him, we're going to the place of crucifixion. We're going to the place of death. We're not here to live for ourselves. We're not here to accumulate things in this world. We're not here to make ourselves comfortable in this world. We're here to do the will of God. We're here to reach the lost. We're here to carry on the Great Commission. Listen to this group of men. They called them in and they flogged them. They beat them. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. And they left rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name. Who are they? Acts chapter 5 tells us they were the apostles. In Philippians 3.10, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Not only a great reward, it will be a great reward. Jesus said, you followed in my footsteps. You are a true disciple. You were persecuted for righteousness, for my name's sake. You suffered insults. Uh, they passed you over for a promotion. They talked behind your back. They laughed at you. I saw it. I was there. Not only will you receive a great reward, but a great relationship a great relationship so they did to all the prophets that were before you when we suffer for Christ's namesake why do we rejoice because those who have gone on before us we're in that as it were great line of the hall of faith those heroes of the faith who were persecuted I think of Abel, who was murdered by his brother King. I think of David, who was hounded and haunted by Saul. I think of Daniel, who was hated by the jealous enemies. I think of Stephen, who was stoned to death. I think of James, who was slain by the sword. I think of Paul, who was persecuted. You know, it's an interesting thing. Those people who are persecuted, that generation often tries to push them down. But once they're dead, they raise them up. They persecuted Jeremiah. Didn't want to hear his words. But then they said he was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. Amos came with a message from God. 
They said, where are you coming from? You don't have credentials with us. He said, I know I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm not a, uh, according to your ecclesiastical system. I was just a farmer. I was just a herdsman. But God came and he gave me a word. And he was boldly declared the word. And what was his reception in Israel? Out of Israel, go back to where you came from. I think of Martin Luther King Jr. How he was hated and persecuted in his life. And those who lived during that time know some of the persecution he suffered. And now we name our streets after him and our schools. Think about Abraham Lincoln. Ever study the life of Abraham Lincoln? While Abraham Lincoln was alive, people mocked him, ridiculed him, uh, called him a dummy, just treated him terribly. But when he died, he was considered one of the greatest presidents that we've ever had, if not the greatest. They rank him with Washington. See, Jesus said that you're going to be in that line of prophets. You're going to be standing there with Jeremiah, with Isaiah, with Paul, with Amos. So every time someone sneers at you, you stand up in class and say, you know, I don't believe in evolution. I believe in the great creator of this earth. And they laugh. In gym class, they talk about health. And they talk about morality. And you say, well, no, I believe what the Bible says. And they snicker. At your job, you say, listen, I don't believe in what you're calling, you know, a lifestyle of homosexuality. And you're labeled as a bigot and intolerant. And they look at you. Uh, Just be of good cheer. You're in a great company. You're in a company that reaches back to the very beginning of time. And God says, great, great, great is your reward in heaven. And you have a relationship to a great cloud of witnesses. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The way of this world is to praise dead saints and to persecute living ones. The way of this world is to praise the dead saints and persecute the living ones. In some homes, there's persecution going on. A woman decides to follow Jesus Christ. Her husband's upset because she's no longer indulging in worldliness and she's persecuted at home. It's amazing. A person on drugs suddenly gets saved and gets Christ in their heart and their life straightened up and the family says, don't get that religiosity. Persecution is real. As I bring the message to a close, put your life up now against the mirror of his word. When's the last time anybody was offended at you? Not because of bad breath or body odor. Not because you were obnoxious. Not because you misused your employer's time. But because you really stood up for righteousness and you identified with Jesus Christ. One of the indicators that we're living a beatitude type of life is that the world won't applaud us 
Patil Buas. The Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 is one of the most well-known portions of Scripture in the whole of the Bible. In this text, Jesus talks about loving our enemies, fasting, and properly judging. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching through the Beatitudes. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, and to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.